Amen. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome, everyone who's tuning in. We don't want to forget you. Please join in uh, and uh, quieten everything that's around you in your house or wherever you're at. And let's, uh, we're getting into the nitty gritty of the word tonight. Uh, I'm telling you, we're right in the middle of the final season of the feast of the final uh, uh, fall season. And let me tell you what. The devil, as much as the Lord loves the feast, has set them up on his calendar uh, as a special time for his people and a special time of open heavens, open gate. Let me tell you what, the enemy takes advantage of that and there's greater warfare. So I don't know if any of you have been sensing any intense warfare, maybe in your physical body or in your, in your relationships. It's like the things that were normal now are crazy, and you're like, what is going on? Is it a full moon? No, we're right in the middle of Sukkot. We're right in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, and the devil is mad. But you know what? When you, when you have the knowledge of God and you operate with his revelation of wisdom, what the devil tries to do for evil, you can turn it and you can see God do good. So this isn't a time for us to go backwards. This is a time for us to go forward. This is a time that if you have come under attack, not to get discouraged, but to get encouraged, that the attack, you're going to come through it victoriously. I know in my own life, uh, I just got this cough that just came in, and I coughed and coughed until my ribs hurt, my brain hurt, my head hurt, my back hurt. And I couldn't even talk, but I got up here and preached through it on Sunday. And, and uh, then Monday, I couldn't even talk. And I said, devil, you are a liar. God gave me this voice to declare the oracles of God. And I'm not backing down. I'm going forward. You're not shutting me up. I'm, I'm just going to tap into the healing virtue of Jesus Christ. And, and Tuesday was stronger. And Wednesday, I felt great today. I may still have a little uh, sound of it, but I feel good. Don't, don't go by the sound. I feel good. Hallelujah. God is good. So... What we need to understand is on God's calendar, He has set these special times up, and I don't think it's uh, all in that uh, uh, it's supposed to be, definitely not to be a ritual in our life, but God knows how we tend to forget. And God knows that He wants, that if we don't know the truth, then the truth won't set us free. And, and all of this uh, that you see up on the screen is is the calendar of the history of God bringing us into freedom and liberty and healing and deliverance and prosperity and promotion and every good thing, that abundant life that Jesus came to give us is all in the story of the feast. And those th uh, four uh, spring feasts that we, we know really well as Christ has fulfilled them and we celebrate uh, Passover, you know, our Easter with the unleavened bread and the resurrection, Good Friday and resurrection, what an amazing uh, time of the blood, Lamb of God coming and shedding His blood for us. We know all that. We celebrate that. We praise God for that. And then we, or the church age, have to celebrate Pentecost because the church couldn't go forward without the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, you can't go. You can't do the next phase. The next phase I have for you, you got to wait till you've been endued from on high with power. You need some power in order to do the next phase. And what was the next phase? He says, I'm building a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. This will be a powerful church. An ecclesia called out people in my name, by my name and through my spirit. They are going to advance my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We know on the day of Pentecost, which was a feast and at that final uh, 
wrap-up of that feast, they were in the upper room filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church was birthed as Peter preached, and 3,000 were saved. Hallelujah. And we continue in that today. But then as we move into these fall feasts, we understand that while Jesus is still, has come and fulfilled much of them, there's still part yet to be fulfilled. So they are, you might would say, with great anticipation and excitement for us, the church age, because in the fulfillment of those, it will finalize the church age because the very first of the fall feast takes the church out of the picture. The Bible says that the enemy cannot do, the Antichrist cannot do what he fully wants to do until the church has been taken out. And let me tell you what, now that when the Bible says that, that should wake us up. Wait a minute. We're holding back the Antichrist. We're keeping the Antichrist from doing his plan. How exciting is that? Well, you, need to, you need to flex your muscles. You know, when you work out, they, you go into gym, they have a lot of mirrors around. And they do that because it's so encouraging to the person or persons that are working out when they begin to see the results start to show. And that encourages them, and some of them in vanity, to even go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because they can see the results. Let me tell you what. Sometimes you in the church, you just need to get in front of the mirror and flex your muscles and say, you know what, we're holding back the devil's plan. The devil is working maybe at 10%. His 90% is not yet, cannot do what he wants to do because the church is still in the world. God's got a plan. But he says, there the last trump, the Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's the rapture of the church and the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, is still on God's calendar reminding us, don't you give up, don't you think. He said, you didn't think I was going to bring a Passover lamb from heaven that was going to take the place of a four-legged lamb that y'all were using. The four-legged lamb's blood covered your sin for a year. The two-legged Passover lamb that came from my heaven, my only begotten son, washed your sins away white as snow as though they never existed. He said, there were many years leading up to Jesus coming when they were looking for the Passover lamb, looking for the Passover lamb, celebrating Passover, saying, one day. Well, that one day became the day when Jesus came hallelujah and in the same way as we still continue to celebrate the feast of Rosh Hashanah we're saying one day the Lord is going to let the, the trump sound of God in heaven is going to ring forth and we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air it didn't happen today but someday it's going to happen just like God fulfilled these four uh, spring feasts he's going to fulfill in full the fall feast so this is an exciting time for us and then we left Rosh Hashanah which led us into the 10 days of all leading into uh, the uh, going into our atonement uh, the feast of atonement Yom Kippur my the uh, the exciting thing that our God who said he is going to redeem this earth he is going to redeem the soil of this earth he is coming back again and he said that we are going to come back with him we've been caught up in the air but we're going to come back with him hallelujah but he has a plan for this earth and he's coming back to atone and to and to redeem the soil of this ground i can tell you that 
and then the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, where we're at right now. It started Sunday evening. It'll end this Sunday evening coming. We're right smack dab in the middle of it. He's going to set up His kingdom here on this earth. There will be the Messianic kingdom age of God, just like He said, it's going to happen. But there's going to be a great tribulation where the Antichrist is going to be un, uh, uh, unhindered to do exactly what he wants to do. Kill, steal, and destroy. But that can't happen until the church comes out. we got to understand who we are. And we need to be who we are. And that's why I'm saying in the middle of this Feast of Sukkot, this uh, Feast of Tabernacles, when the intensity of hell is coming against you and coming against your family, we need to arm up and defeat the kingdom of darkness. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, about defeating the kingdom of darkness. Defeating the kingdom of darkness. Being the church, not just a religious group that goes and sits and sings, come by eye, gets a goosebump feeling and gets a hug from somebody and drinks a little coffee and a little cookie and then goes home. No, I'm talking about a mighty warriors. I'm talking about men and women of God uh, destined for, for victory and destined for purpose and destiny in fulfilling the very purpose of God and advancing His kingdom in heaven on this earth. Somebody say, I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of the church. Hallelujah. But to understand this week that we're in, we get it from Leviticus 23, verse 33. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying the 15th day of this seventh month shall the feast of tabernacles for seven days. That's why it started Sunday to Sunday night, Sunday night. We've got these seven days that we're going. This is the feast of tabernacles and these are to the Lord. So this is a feast and a celebration unto the Lord. It's not necessarily just for us, it's for the Lord. This is something he likes. So we see in verse 42, he tells them, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All you who are native Israelites shall dwell in the booths that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So we talked about this in somewhat detail on Sunday morning uh, where uh, the Feast of Sukkot, they were to uh, build these booths that, just like they had in the desert uh, and they were to put satch top uh, or, or a trellis top opening so that they could see the sky just like they did for 40 years in the wilderness. So God was uh, present with them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He cooled them in the heat of the day and he warmed them in the coolness of the night and he showed them his light and his presence and he would move by the cloud or he'd move by the pillar of fire and in these booths they had to have the roofs uh, so they could see through the roof and when the cloud or the pillar of fire moved they were to move with God and if they didn't move with God then they didn't have the covering of God the protection of God the manna falling down uh, as bread from God the water to drink from God the provision of God came with them staying close to God and that's why the booths had to have these satched open roofs like this and we uh, study the history of here America and we find out that the Feast of Tabernacles is uh, what we would call Thanksgiving here in America and actually the first 
Thanksgiving that was ever celebrated here by the pilgrims was celebrated during this week, the Feast of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and it was a feast of thanksgiving that God brought us through the wilderness. And, and, and as they came here to America, they felt like as they came through the Atlantic Ocean, it was like Israel going through the Red Sea. And it was like uh, Israel coming out of Europe's bondage, I mean, out of Egypt's bondage. They saw themselves coming up out of Europe's bondage, and they paralleled that. So our first uh, celebration of Thanksgiving here in America was on Sukkot during this very week that we are celebrating tonight. So uh, by all natural laws, Egypt should have destroyed Israel and by all natural laws, the uh, pilgrims should have never been able to make it here. But by the hand of God, we are here today. And God says, when you go into the promised land, he said, I want you to build these booths once a year during this Feast of Tabernacles so that you don't forget. And that was the main message Sunday. Don't forget. Remember what your God has done for you. Because you have the tendency when things are going good. He said, I know your nature. I created you. Your nature is that you will forget your God. Oh, how we call on God when we're in trouble. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, we can... I mean, trouble can come in a half of a second, and we are the most spiritual-sounding people on planet Earth. Oh, God! And we start, Jesus! I mean, we may have, we may have not even called His name in a month, but let me, unless we called it in vain. But let me tell you what, you get in trouble, we call on the Lord. But God said, I don't want you calling on me only when you're in trouble, I want you to praise me and I want you to thank me and I want you to love on me in the good times as well. Amen. Now let me tell you, the enemy knows the calendar of God. The enemy understands the power of a feast like Sukkot more than probably we Christians do because he's been around a whole lot longer and he's spent some time in heaven for a short span as well. He knows how the gates of heaven are opened up. He knows the heart of God. He has seen God and how He wants to pour out His blessings and promotion to His people during these feast times and how God wants to do great things. And I believe the devil is because of his jealousy. Is the only thing I can really think. He's just evil to the core, but he's just jealous at how much God loves us and how much we love Him and the enemy intensifies his attacks during the feast seasons. And you need to know that. And let me tell you what, as we come to a close on this Feast of Sukkot this Sunday, let me tell you what, I feel like as we're wrapping up all of the feast and the close of it, the, the warfare is most intense. That's why I specifically felt the Holy Spirit said that I was to deal with this tonight. As, the, as you go through these next final days of the feast, the next final days of the outpouring of the grace and the goodness and the blessing and the power and the love and the precious, preciousness of God, the devil's going to be fighting you, but you don't have to run and hide and you don't have to get in fear because I'm going to show you how to defeat the kingdom of darkness, how you're going to defeat the kingdom of darkness. So I want us to look together at that and I can call it Operation uh, destroy the darkness, okay? You can call it shock and awe or whatever you want to call it, but I'm calling it Operation Destroy the Darkness. 
Now, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, we read what the Holy Spirit tells us. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So when there comes an attack against you during this time or any time of your life, remember, it's not the flesh. It's not the flesh. I had this picture in my mind of, of uh, you know, you've seen the puppets before that's controlled by the strings, you know, the kind of the cross with the strings, and they can make these puppets uh, seemingly walk and talk uh, on a stage. And I, I said, if I had someone that could operate one of those pretty good, I'd have a little ladder up here, and then I'd have a little curtain, and maybe their hand, you could see it, but I'd have that puppet. If I had one, maybe one of you got one, I'd use this as a demonstration and then I would say, has anybody been having a hard time? Anybody been going through some trouble lately? Come on up here. And all of you would come. No, no. <laughs> somebody, somebody would come up here. And then I would have that puppet slap you. Not very hard, but slap you. And then I'd have that puppet kick your shin. And then I'd have that puppet punch you in the gut. And then I would say, you know, are you going to fight back? And if you were to fight back on the puppet, I'm going to say that's exactly what we do. If you really want to get to the source of what's punching you, it's not the person. It's not the person that's coming. It's not the boss person. It's not the, the parent. It's not the coach. It's not the teacher. It's not even the bully. It's the person up here that's pulling the string. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you want the puppet to stop punching you and slapping you in the face and kicking you, come back here and yank that dude or whoever that is on the ladder down, pull them down, and then the puppet is definitely not going to be a threat to you anymore. That's what Paul is saying to us here, that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Whatever is coming against your body, whoever it may be that is coming against your body, that's not your true em uh, enemy. He says, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. If you try to fight the puppet, you're just punching a dummy, and you're a dummy as well, because it's two dummies fighting, because you're not fighting in the right place to win. He says, you cannot win that way, because the weapons that God has given to you are not carnal. They're not in you throwing your insult back for insult. It's not you cursing back for a curse. It's not you kicking back from someone kicking you. No, he says they are mighty through God. You and I have weapons that are mighty through God for us to go behind the curtain and to pull down the strongholds, the Bible says. Casting down these arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This word strongholds here means spiritual personalities who try to bind us. There are spiritual personalities that's trying to convince you through somebody or some circumstance that you're looking at on the horizontal level really is being influenced from the vertical uh, aspect, but it's trying, this personality is trying to tell you or make you feel like you deserve the sickness, you deserve the disease, you deserve the weakness, you deserve the loss, you deserve whatever it is that the enemy is trying to bring against you. These spiritual personalities and their strongholds, they're trying to bind you. They don't want a glancing hit. 
They want to latch in and cause the pain to be a part of your regular existence. Whether it's disease, I'm telling you this thing came on me and I saw it and I said, devil, you know, the, the devil came in and says, here you are a preacher, I'm going to take your voice. And I says, I'll preach 10 years more than I was going to preach because of that. And I bucked up to him and I says, and I'll preach harder and I'll preach with greater anointing. You just keep it up, dude, because, I, because I'm not fighting in the horizontal. I'm going against these spiritual personalities that's trying to bind me, trying to put this mindset, oh, that you've got a weak lung or you've got a weak throat or you've got a weak whatever. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Because he tries to bring in this satanic oppression in the mind. He tries to bring in these strongholds in our marriages and strongholds in our family relationships and temptation and financial bondage. And he just tries to get this mindset that this is how it's always going to be with you. And you've got to fight against it. You've got to say, I'm not putting up with this. I, this is not. It may have been how I've known it all my life. But I know Jesus, and because of Jesus, I have the victory, and I have the power, and I'm going to exercise my authority, and I'm coming over victoriously. Somebody got to wake up in your spirit and say, you know what, I got to take an ownership of my own domain. God said that wherever the soles of my feet shall tread, uh, there He would give me that dominion. I've got to put my foot down and if it's on a serpent's head, I've got to put it down on a serpent's head because the devil is under our feet. We cannot live in fear. We cannot live in intimidation. We cannot live trying to hold ourselves back. <coughs> Excuse me. That vent feels so good but that wind tickles my throat. And I'm wrestling, should I keep the wind or should I keep the tickle? <laughs> I say, let's go. Now, I want you to uh, if, uh, picture this imagery that the Apostle Paul is giving us of this pulling down. He said in Ephesians 6 and 12, he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? This is where your fight is. This is where my fight right now for the complete healing in my body. It's not against anything but principalities and against powers and against rulers and the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Where are they at? In heavenly places. So we got to take our guns and we got to aim them up because it's in the heavenly places. It's not the people. It's not the circumstances that we're looking at on the horizontal. We got to pull them down. That means we got to fight in this heavenly place here. And we see that it ends there in heavenly places. Some translations will say high places. It's a Greek word, uparanios, that we find throughout Ephesians. Paul talks about it over and over, these heavenly places, these heavenly places. That's in the Greek. Uh, uh, we see God talks about it in Genesis 1 in the Hebrew, where he talks about in the beginning, Genesis 1 and 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, that is shamaim, that means it's plural. I am on a, a Hebrew word means plural. So God created the heavens and the earth. So there are heavens. Paul talks about this warfare taking place in these heavenly places. So we have to understand that Satan is operating from a heavenly place, but we know it's not God's heaven. 
There are several heavens the Bible talks about. First, I just told you about where God says in, you know, in Genesis 1 and 1, Shema'im, I, he created the heavens and the earth. So we know there's more than one heaven. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 2 <coughs> and in 4, that he was caught up into the third heaven. So we know there's not only one heaven, there's two heavens, and there's three heavens. And if there's three heavens, then there has to be two heavens. Now we see that Satan is operating from a heavenly place, and we know that it is not God's heaven. Now Lucifer at one time did abide in the third heaven there where God and the angels are, but the Bible tells us where John declares and decrees that there was a war that broke out in heaven, and he says, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels, but the dragon and his angels did not prevail. So there was neither place found anymore in heaven. So in God's heaven, there was a battle. And the Bible says that Satan lost that battle and was cast out, cast down from that heaven. Now, we know that the Bible tells us he took a third of the angels with him. That is where we probably get all of these demons that work under his command. And his command has been set up in what we call the second heaven. Now, that makes perfect sense, if you see it that way, to what Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 19, where Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to heaven. But before I leave, I'm not going to leave you powerless. You need the Holy Ghost. But you also need authority to operate in the power of the Spirit. So I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now if you understand the three heavens where God is in the third heaven and Satan is in the second heaven and we look up into our heaven that we see right now where there are no demons and, and Satan is not operating from, it makes perfect sense here, Jesus giving us authority over heaven. Now, I could not imagine that God has given us authority over God's heaven. Can you imagine that God has something bound in His heaven where everything is perfect, where everything is without sin, where everything is pristine? where God himself abides and Jesus at his right hand of the Father interceding for us at this very moment. Can you imagine there are things being bound that need to be loosed there? Can you imagine that there are things that are, are loosed and operating there out of control that needs to be bound? I can't figure it. I can't figure it. But if I understand if Paul was caught up into a third heaven where he saw the angels and he saw the throne of God and saw things that he didn't even have words to describe of God's heaven, then there's a second heaven where the enemy in his, uh, you might would say, command center is. And now that makes sense to me. And I have learned that as I've studied the scripture, this is consistent with the teaching of God's word that the warfare that we are to battle against is not flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this heavenly place, this heavenly place that they are at. That's where the warfare really is. So that tells me now I have authority. Jesus has given you and he has given me keys. 
and these keys give me the authority to make changes in those, that arena that I can go into by the Spirit of God and the weapons of my warfare, I can pull down, I can change, I can bind, or I can loose things in this heaven. I think sometimes we Christians are not operating at the level of intelligence, the level of authority, and the level of demonstration that God has looked to us to do. We are failing at what God has called us to do. And God says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So we need this teaching and we need to keep hearing this teaching and keep being challenged to rise up and to continue to stay on our post because we are in a war. There is warfare. If there's sickness coming against your body, it reminds you we're in warfare. If there's any type of lack trying to come against you, it reminds us we're in warfare. If there's any kind of chaos or, or confusion trying to come into a relationship of yours, let me tell you what, it reminds us there's warfare. If there's anything trying to pull your kids into the very bowels and pits of hell living in a way that is desecrating to the Word of God, let me tell you, it reminds us that we're in warfare and we need to learn how to fight. So I want to talk to you tonight about the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare. Now, Pastor Rodica, she has me at my office bug. You know that. We're just going to go ahead and just settle the fact. She, she has got me bugged. I've looked. I've flipped every piece of paper. I've looked behind pictures. I've looked under my speakers. I've tried to look into the drawers to see in the keyhole. Did she have a... I don't know how she's done it, but she's got my office bug. For she was up here less than 30, 40 minutes ago getting into my message again. What I'm going to do is they would tie a rope to the high priest who would go into the Holy of Holies that with, if he did fall dead and they, so they could drag him out, I'm going to tie a rope to her ankle. So when she comes up here with a rope on her ankle, you now know. And if she starts getting into my message, I'm going to yank on it. And uh, you will see her leg go to flying in the air. <laughs> no, I'm just trusting that's the Holy Spirit priming us and you know, uh, getting us uh, ready uh, so that we can even get it deeper into our spirit. So I want us to look at the weapons of our warfare. And the first one is the Word of God. The Word of God. She was talking about that and, and I'm talking about it as well. The Word of God is living and it is powerful. Let me tell you what, uh, Dr. DeLong got up here and he talked about it being the power, the power of God unto salvation, the power of God unto soteria, uh, which is sozo, that, that, that everything that God has provided for us comes from the powerful Word of God. You've got to learn to use the Word. You've got to hide the Word in your heart that you might not sin against God, but you also got to get the Word of God in your mouth so that you can come against the lies of the devil, you can come against the plans of the enemy, and you can destroy and pull down the strongholds that the enemy has given. For the Word of God is living and it is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let me tell you what, we got to learn to use the Word of God. It's a double-edged sword, 
Now, double-edged sword, God said it this way. My word will not return unto me void. I have sharpened one side of the blade and I've sent you my word. I've sent my word to heal your diseases. I've sent my word to accomplish that thing which it has been sent to do. But he says, it's got to return unto me. When it returns unto me, it won't be void. When it returns unto me, it won't be empty or without content. So what we got to do is we, as we take the word, we got to sharpen it in our lives and make sure it's cutting into our life. And so then as we do, we speak the word back and it doesn't return unto God void. We've got to learn to use the word. When the devil tells you you're no good, you were born uh, unwanted and unloved and just a piece of trash and, and you were to be discarded on the side of the road, you got to say, but I am now a child of God. I am a son, a daughter of the Most High God uh, and God has a purpose and a plan for my life. And God said that while I was yet in my mother's womb that He knew me, that He had a plan for me and His plan was not to harm me but a plan that I'd have a future and a hope. Hallelujah. And I'm now going to live this plan out and I'm going to fulfill this purpose uh, not as the son or a daughter of whoever but the son or the daughter of the most high God you got to learn to use the word otherwise the God the devil will tell you your whole life that you weren't wanted that you uh, were unloved that you were whatever piece of trash and you will always feel discounted and you'll never rise up to be who you were the devil will tell you that your bloodline is sickly. Your bloodline is poor. Your bloodline is on the wrong side of the tracks. Your bloodline never had influence. But you got to rise up with the Word of God and say, now I have a new transfusion, a blood transfusion, that he who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. All the old is passed away. All that garbage is passed away. All that old news is passed away. All those old records have passed away. And now everything is new, and I'm learning to live in the newness of who I am. I have a new name written in the Lamb's book of life. I am the child of God, and I have the blood of Jesus now. I am a joint heir with him. I'm joining here. He's my brother. He's my elder brother as I've been brought into the covenant. I've been grafted into the vine so the very blood that floated through the vine is now flowing into the branch and I am His and He is mine. you got to learn to use the Word. you got to use the Word. You say the generational curse is going to stop. It's going to stop here. I loved it when the devil got up in my face and says, oh, you've got a firstborn son. That's exactly what the Lamberts always got. And the firstborn son led the way in the partying and drugs and alcohol and womanizing. Yes, you've got your... And I said, devil, I put my foot on your head right now in the name of Jesus that every good thing that comes through the Lamberts is going to come into my son. But everything that you were doing through the Lamberts or you were doing through the Potras or however you wanted to work it, I break it right now in the name of Jesus. It is not going into the next generation. And praise God, the eldest is serving on the worship team and teaching children's church. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. you got to learn to use the Word of God. But not only do you have the Word of God, let me tell you, church, we have the name of Jesus. Oh, there's a name. I'm here to tell you that you and I have been given the privilege of God to use. It's not just any name. There's just any name doesn't have the power to move a piece of paper across the parking lot. 
but the name of Jesus can raise the dead. The name of Jesus can heal the sick. The name of Jesus can bring the wayward son home. The name of Jesus can break a hole through what seemed like impenetrable and bring you into breakout in the Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's why Peter and John said to that lame man from his mother's womb, silver and gold, that's not what we're here to give you. That's not it. We left that at home so we could tell you. We knew you'd be here. We knew you'd be here. We've been coming by you for years, but we left all that at home. I don't have any silver or gold to give you because that would only help you for a moment. But what I do have to give you will help you for a lifetime. In the name, did they not say? In the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And a man who had never walked in his life at 30-some years is now jumping and leaping and running and dancing and praising God. Hallelujah. Call such a stink. Call such a ruckus that the authorities of the city call Peter and John in, and they, they're going to punish them. You're causing a riot. You're causing an uproar in the city. And they lock them up. But then they bring them before the court, and they say, we're not going to hold you, and we're not going to punish you anymore if you'll promise us. If we let you go, you can keep doing what you've been doing. Everything you've been doing, you can do, except there's one thing, one condition. We cannot have you talking, preaching, or teaching in this name. We cannot have this name being mentioned. We can, here's the authorities of the most powerful government of the whole world uh, shaking, saying there's something about that name that we are going to bring all of the law of the Roman government against you and we're going to try to silence it. We're going to let you go if you promise that you will not talk, preach, or teach in the name of Jesus. I say if the authorities of the Roman government, the most powerful government at that time of the whole land at that time uh, is afraid of the name of Jesus and they weren't serving God but they were serving the devil, I would say today uh, that mid-heaven where Satan is operating from, uh, there's one name he can't take, there's one name he can't stomach, there's one name that he trembles at, there's one name uh, that he says, I hope those Christians never they can go out here and say God bless you. Uh, They can go out here and say Holy Spirit is awesome they can go out here and say uh, you know shalom but don't let them go in the authority and the power of the name uh, that is above every name uh, that at that name every knee has to bow uh, and every tongue has to confess in heaven under on this earth and even under this earth that Jesus Christ is Lord let me tell you there's power in the name of Jesus power in the name of Jesus Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But let me tell you what, not only has God given us His Word, sharper than a double-edged sword, not only has He given us His name that every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess, He's also given us His blood. Hallelujah. We have the blood of Jesus. We not only have the name of Jesus, we have the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus is more powerful than most 21st Christians Christians could ever imagine. No, I'm telling you, there's power in the blood of Jesus. When you come against the devil by the word of God in the name of Jesus, and you say the blood of Jesus against you, I plead the blood. Let me tell you what, there's a bloodline that the enemy is afraid of, the bloodline that the enemy understands. There's a bloodline that he's not willing to cross because he knows that in Revelation 12 and 
John 11 uh, that we've overcome the red dragon by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hallelujah. When we use the blood of Jesus, we use everything the cross and the gospel represent. It represents everything that Jesus accomplished in the atonement. Let me tell you what, when I talk about the blood of Jesus as we in Sukkot, this very feast here on this Sunday evening is the final day of the feast. We'll be talking about this on Sunday. But when he would go in and he would not only take the, the, the blood of the goat, but he'd take the blood of the bull and each of them he would go in separately and sprinkle seven times on the Ark of the Covenant. Seven places Jesus shed his blood because there's seven places God has redeemed us. We're redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. That means the debt has been paid. You are free to operate. You are free to live in the provision of what the blood has provided. So when the devil tries to steal from you what the blood has provided for you, you say the blood is against you and he understands the legal terminology and he terminates what he is doing. If you could just pull back the curtain and see in the spirit realm of the power when you come against the works of the devil in the blood of Jesus or by the blood of Jesus and in the name of Jesus. Oh, if you could just see how demons get chaotic. You know, in the Old Testament, God records so many battles, brutal battles, bloody battles, whether it was the Amorites or the Amalekites or the Philistines or whoever it may have been, these ungodly nations that served ungodly gods that rejected the true God. God gives those to us as pictures of spiritual warfare. If you want to understand how it works in the spirit realm, study the battles of the Old Testament. And you will find that there was a time where they could just stand there obeying the Word of God, taking 300 men rather than 20,000 men or 30,000 men. God said, you got too many. You got too many, but we've got an innumerable enemy that you can't even count their camels. God says, oh, but if you'll understand how I fight, I fight from the advantage of power. I fight, I fight from a position of all authority. If you'll just follow my word, take my word, and do what I say. And you'll know there was one man that took his few men, 300 of them, and they circled about, and they took their little, you know, uh, clay lamp, and, and had a little fire in it, and uh, their little lantern there, and they had their trumpet, and they, you know, go, and, and they line where the, the outer rim of the valley, over the valley, where that innumerable army is. And then God tells them it's time to break the clay pot, let the light shine, blow the trumpet, and let the praises go forth. And here, 300 men had no chance. In, in, there's no, I can't even give you the, the, uh, you know, the statistic on it. They had no chance. But because they followed the instruction of God, that army awoke and they looked and saw lights all around them and heard that sound and heard about that God that they had been hearing about that worked miracles and worked wonders. See, the devil is not, he's not dumb to the fact that God works miracles. 
They had heard over and over how God had worked and performed miracles time and time again. And let me tell you what, when they heard His name being praised and they saw those lights, everything that bumped them, they were fighting and killing. And the Bible says they killed themselves. They destroyed themselves. And not one of those with Gideon had to fight. Not one. Let me tell you what. That's a picture right there of what happens when you learn how to use the Word of God, when you learn how to use the name of Jesus, and when you know how to use the blood of Jesus and plead the blood, let me tell you what, you'll get demons so worked up and scared and what they had, they thought you had you tied up, they're cutting it loose because they think it's tying them up and the next thing they're fleeing like a bunch of scared dogs. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. See, our thoughts and our mouths, he says, they testified to what the Lord said the blood did for them. we got to learn to testify. Testify to what the Lord's blood has done for us. Oh, I have preached probably to some of you, maybe even to your frustration of the seven places Jesus shed his blood. But it covers everything. It covers everything. And the reason I go over it and over it and over it is so that you can testify to what the Word says the blood did for you. So if the Lord, if the enemy's trying to come against your willpower, you say, Jesus sweat great drops of blood in that garden that night to undo what Adam had done. Adam said, Father, not your will but mine and took the forbidden fruit. But Jesus said, Father, not my will but thine be done and sweat great drops of blood and redeem my willpower. So I'm pulling on the redeemed willpower to say yes to God and no to the devil. I'm going to live and serve the Lord. I'm going to honor Him with my deeds and with my actions. And I'm going to pass this temptation through the power of the blood. Oh my goodness, isn't that awesome? That is praying. I mean, that set me free. That set me free. Some of you faced with temptation, all of us are. Don't look at your neighbor and say, or have you been tempted? You look at your neighbor and say, you too. You too. But I'm here to tell you, you can say no to the devil. You say, but ah, this thing's been, uh uh-uh. You can say no to the devil because you've got to testify to what the blood has done for you and you've been redeemed. Your willpower's been redeemed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I could go through all seven again, but I'll save that for another message at another time. Praise God. But they had to overcome with the blood of the lamb, overcome the red dragon, and with the word of their testimony. See, our thoughts and our mouths are the center of spiritual warfare. Our thoughts and our mouths. Our thoughts and our mouths. And you got to know that your thoughts are tied to your heart because that's what you believe. It's not just a passing thought, but what you believe. So your, your belief and your, your, what you say is so powerful. you got to watch what you say. I've seen a lot of well-meaning, wonderful Christian men and women of God open the door and bring in satanic junk. And they didn't, they didn't even realize by what they say. They just open up the door by what they say. They give invitation by what they say. I was speaking to someone even yesterday. And I'm, I'm hoping to be able to meet with them in person here this coming week. And, and, and God, I'm asking God to help me, help me try to work with them. But they kept saying, you know what? I had this, I had this problem but it hadn't showed up in a long time, knock on wood. That's what they said on the phone to me. 
And my family and I, we, we went through a really, really hard time, but, but we've gotten to the place now that we can pay our bills and everything's uh, looking better and better, knock on wood. And they said that the third time, and this is the first time I'm talking to this person, so I didn't want to jump in and sound like that person that's down your throat, you know. You ever been that person or met that person that's down your throat? You better watch what you say. You're like, well, I ain't talking around you no more, you know. Wow. You got you to gotta use some wisdom about it. So we got a meeting coming up. So I'm talking, you know what? Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you help me uh, bring some teaching here because I don't want them through, you know, like, knock on wood. I mean, are you superstitious? I mean, when God has given you all of this and now you're going to go into the realm of superstition and give Satan a groundwork there? I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't want to knock on wood. You, you should say, I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to stand on the blood of Jesus. I'm standing on the name of Jesus. Now that you can say, you know, that's fine. But knock on wood. What is wood going to do? But rot. Come on now. Okay. And then we got one more here. And that is a weapon of the Holy Spirit. God has given us his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he says, if the devil's coming against your flesh, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can walk in the spirit and walk on top of the flesh. You can walk over the arena that the devil's fighting you when you walk in the spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in us to quicken our mortal body that we might come alive into the fullness of what God has called us. Hallelujah. I believe this explains why the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God utilizes our mouth through speaking in tongues. It's a language the devil cannot understand. I know our kids, uh, one of them was asking the other day, what is the first language that was, I don't know if it was a school question or what, what was the first language on this earth? And they were like, Daddy, was it, was it you know, Hebrew? Was that the first language? I said, no, Hebrew didn't come until after Abraham and the covenant and those called out from the era of the Chaldees, and they go from Chaldean to uh, a, a language that God had for them. I said, no, that's, that's not the language. They said, well, then what was it? I said, well, there's a prophet. I said, I think it may be Zechariah or maybe Ezekiel. I said, I need to look it up. But there's a prophet that said that God, there's a day coming when God is going to restore a pure language, the pure language. Now, if something needs to be restored, that means it was here before. So I believe the language, and I began to tell them that, that God was talking to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day before there was sin in the garden. I believe it was the heavenly language that we, we get to speak in by the guidance of the Holy Spirit even this day. It's a pure language without curse words. It's a pure language without anything negative in that sense. It's the language of heaven. And uh, I, I can't imagine uh, God having uh, just a, uh, a limited earthly language with Adam and Eve there in the garden. But we know after sin entered in, things changed and even led to the place of the Tower of Babel where the languages had to be even separated the more uh, as they were uh, refusing to obey God and they were building that tower rather than expanding and fulfilling uh, the earth, filling the earth after the flood. They said this, this valley is so beautiful and plush and lovely we're going to stay here, but the conviction came that there's a flood coming uh, because you guys are disobeying what God said. God said, go multiply, fill the earth. 
and you've stopped because of this place being so rich and fertile and wonderful. So now fear came in. So what did they do? Well, we'll build us a really tall tower so that if a flood comes, we can, we can get up there into the heavens till it passes. <laughs> well, God said, well, if you can't speak the same language, you, you're going to find that it's going to be difficult to work together. And he confused their languages and they found who they could understand and they parted their ways and went ahead and filled the earth as God had commanded. But he says prophetically that in these latter days, he was going to restore a pure language. Well, when he began to build his church, his spiritual kingdom here on this earth, he on that day gave a new language. If you remember the day of Pentecost, he gave a new language. And uh, so our spirit can understand that this Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can understand our spirit. And Paul goes into great detail teaching about our mind can't understand it. This is beyond that. Our mind has a limited vocabulary, has a limited thinking, and, and until it has been fully redeemed, it cannot participate because if it does, then it's no longer pure. It's been tainted. So your spirit man can commune with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit can give divine instruction and download. And un I have gotten so many... I'm just telling you, I've gotten so many downloads from heaven to understand something I never studied before. And I understand it, I can see it in 3D. And I, like with my house, I drew the plans for my house architecturally. I've never even been able to draw but stick men. But I got a download. God says, I want you to build, you, you ask for a house, here's the house I'm going to give you. And he gave it to me and I began drawing it. And it was almost like something was moving my hands and I would just draw and through the night, my wife would get up and she would say, are you going to ever get any sleep? I said, I can't. I can't stop. I can't stop. And it became page after page of foundation and, and the footers and, and the, you know, the framing and, and, and the wire. Every, I could see it. Now, if you ask me to draw your house, we're going to have to get you one of those putt-putt tents uh, from Walmart because I don't have the download. But I, I know that God can do beyond what we're used to. And as I pray in the Spirit, and the more I pray in the Spirit even now, I get understanding of physical ailment. I can see how it comes in and where it's at and what, what to do to come against it. And, and many times I'm going to Dr. East and I'm saying, you know, and, and, and I'm looking up and researching, and I'm like, is this true? Is this true? Because I never learned this. And, and, and it's always confirmed when it's from God because God knows our bodies better than we do. Let me tell you, there's, there is more for us in and through the Holy Spirit than we could even imagine. But we must also understand when we pray in the Spirit, it, it gives instructions to the angels to fight for us of those demons who are fighting against us. Marching orders are given to those angels who have charge over us. And even though we can't see them and know where their placement is, the, in the spirit realm, uh, that is being taken care of. Let me tell you, you need to use the weapon of the Holy Spirit in and through your life. Hallelujah. So how do we get the Word of God up? How do we get the name of Jesus up? How do we get the blood of Jesus up into this second heaven? How do we get the Holy Spirit up into this second heaven to pull down these strongholds? Simply, I call them the four rockets. And that's prayer. That's prayer. 
Let me tell you what, praying is not just being a, a, a ritual or a, a, you know, a ceremonial person. When you pray, you need to pray with purpose. Jesus taught the disciples when they said, Jesus, you walk on water, you open blinded eyes, you cure the lepers, you do all this stuff. And we don't want to know the formula because it all changes up. One time you're spitting in mud and putting in a blind man's eye and, and another time you're just speaking the word and they're being healed and, and raised up from the bed of a flesh. He says, you just work in so many different ways, but we put it together. That when you pray, the power of heaven is manifested on earth. So teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father, it's got to be a relationship. It's not a, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. Our Father. Oh, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, he has the name above all names, the name that can tear down every stronghold. God, I'm praying right now your kingdom come. God, I'm praying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've got to pull on heaven. You've got to pull on the third heaven and bring it into the second heaven so that it can manifest in the reality of this earth that we operate under the first heaven. Pull it down, and as you're pulling it through the third heaven, through the second heaven, let it scrub away. Let it break off. Let it clean up the path into your life so that it can be heaven on earth and the will of God on earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Oh, we can't go into this. We can't have power in our prayers. If We can't have power in the Word. We can't have power in the blood. We can't have power in the name. We can't have power in the Holy Spirit if we're holding unforgiveness. God says, if you can't forgive, then I can't forgive you. Jesus says, if you refuse to forgive those, he said, my Father in heaven is going to refuse to forgive you. Who are you holding on to? Remember the devil got the puppet string? What puppet kicked you that you're holding a grudge against? None forgiveness against. It's keeping you out of the power source of God you got to get your eyes off the person and get it on who was pulling the string. you got to forgive the person and say, Oh, devil, I'm coming after you. Oh, demons of hell, I'm coming after you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So the key to powerful praying is praying in the Word and praying in the name of Jesus and praying in the, by the blood of the Lamb and praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There's a second way we get this uh, up into the heavens, and that is through preaching. That's why here in this 21st century that we still gather together for this thing called preaching. I'm telling you, you probably would get more fleshly joy by being at the Cinema Cafe reclined right now, drinking you a big soda pop and eating you some barbecue wings and watching a, a, a comedy on the screen. Your flesh would probably enjoy it. You'd pay to go there. You'd pay to go there. Come on now. We got to pay you to come here. No, that's not true. You're here. And the reason you're here is there's power. There's power in the preaching of the Word of God. He said in 2 Timothy 4 and 2, Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Preach the Word. There's power when we preach the Word. We need a church that's going to preach the Word. We don't need to gather at a place that is just going to talk about the Word and maybe have a little skit about the Word. we got to get into the meat of the Word and we've got to eat that meat and drink that milk so that we can grow strong and fight in this warfare that we're in. 
And then the third one, we got to testify. We got to testify. I'm telling you, you got to learn to start testifying. When God has done something for you, you need to tell others about it. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before them, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. He was trying to tell you, there's power when you testify. There's power of relationship and there's power of purpose, but there's also power where the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God and the blood of God and the Word of God and what God has done in your life can touch somebody else and bring hope and healing into their life. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall testify. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm telling you, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't wait till you get a microphone. Oh, give me a microphone, pastor, and I'll testify. Let me tell you what, there's a purpose and a time and a place for testifying with a microphone. But you should be out there on Monday at the gas pump testifying. You should be out there Tuesday at 7-Eleven uh, at, 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 at the cash register testifying. You should be out there Wednesday when you bump into someone in the marketplace and you should say, know what? I got you know why I got a smile on my face? And they'll look at you kind of funny and say, you know what? Since I've had invited Jesus into my life, he is so good. And I just wanted to give him praise. I just, that's why I'm smiling. And some of them will say, hey, tell me about this Jesus. Others will say he's crazy and let you go. But that's okay. Testify. And the fourth and final one is praise and worship. Oh, how are we going to get the word up into this second heaven and pull down these strongholds? How are we going to get the blood of Jesus up into this second heaven and pull down these strongholds? How are we going to get the name of Jesus up into this second heaven and pull down these strongholds? How are we going to get the Holy Spirit up into this second heaven and pull down these strongholds? Through prayer, through preaching, through testifying, and through praise and worship. And I don't believe there's a better example in all of Scripture or ever told by any missionary or evangelist on planet Earth than what Paul and Silas have recorded for us in Acts chapter 16 where they had been stripped naked, they had been beaten, they had been shamed, they had been humiliated and all they were doing was the work of the Lord. And now their freedom was taken away and they are in chains and they are in stocks and they are in a prison cell taken down into the basement of the prison where the sewer was flooded and locked up there in the inner prison there. But I'm here to tell you that tells us at midnight. Boy, that's a dark time. I'm telling you, if you're sick, you're going to be sicker at midnight. If you're hurting, you're hurt, hurt worse at midnight. If you're in fear, you'll deal with more fear at midnight. If there's a loss in your life and you're grieving, you'll grieve more at midnight. There's something about that midnight hour. And when it was supposed to be the worst, Paul and Silas said, let me tell a, a generation or two that's coming after us uh, what we have found that works. Uh, we can take the Word uh, and we can take the blood uh, and we can take the name of Jesus. Jesus, and we can take uh, the Holy Spirit of God, uh, but we got to get it up into this second heaven, uh, this second heaven where Satan is fighting us, where Satan has bound us, where Satan is bringing shame on us. Uh, and let me tell you what, uh, the Bible says through their shame they're worshipped, uh, and through their pain they worshipped, uh, and through their prison bars they worshipped, uh, and at midnight hours they were worshipping God. What does it say? Uh, suddenly, suddenly, uh, there was a 
great earthquake. I'm telling you, God says, I'm going to shake things up. The devil ain't going to have his way with my sons here. They've reached not only the second heaven, but they've reached the third heaven with their praise. And he began to shake this earth with a great earthquake. And the foundation of the prison that they were in was shaken. And immediately the doors were open. The chains fell off and the bars were open. The stocks and the bonds came off and they were loosed. But listen here, everybody in the prison could hear them singing and they were loosed as well. And listen here, the very puppet that the devil was pulling the strings of the Philippian jailer who had beaten them and shamed them and stripped them and locked them up is now saying there's been an opening and I can see beyond the demonic realm and I can see a God that you serve. How can I serve Him too? Hallelujah. Would you stand with me please? Would you stand with me please? Hallelujah. Father, we stand in Your presence this night. We thank You for Your Word. Somebody thank Him. Somebody thank Him. Oh, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word. Hallelujah. We thank You for the blood of Jesus. Is there anybody in here thanking? Thankful for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we're thankful for Your name. The name that is above every name. And we thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Shandarabasah. Oh, some of you need to begin to praise Him in the Spirit. Oh, when you praise Him in the Spirit. Paul says, pray and praise Him in the Spirit. When you begin to pray in the Spirit and you begin to praise in the Spirit, that's two of the rockets that gets all of the Spirit and the Word into this battleground over your life to bring you a victory. I'm telling you, you can pray in the Spirit and you will begin to walk up out of that valley. You'll begin to walk up out of that stronghold. You'll begin to walk up out of that sickness. You'll begin to walk up out of that pain. You'll begin to walk up out of that loss. But you got to have a rocket to get it to the second heaven. You're not fighting on, the, on this here realm. you got to reach up. you got to reach up. And you got to take the Word. you got to take His blood. you got to take His name. you got to take His Spirit where the battle needs to be taken care of. And you can do that, hallelujah, through your teaching, preaching, praying, hallelujah, singing and shouting unto God. Oh, and testifying of the goodness of God. Would you pray right now? Spiritual warfare prayer. Begin to say, Satan, I come against you in the name of Jesus. I come against you by the blood of the Lamb of God. I come against everything you have bound in my life. Everything you have bound. I declare, I decree, lose it! Lose it! I'm telling you, and the more you believe you have the authority, the louder you sound. If you truly believe it, you're going to have authority in your voice. You say, devil, in the name of Jesus, every area you have bound in my life if you have bondage on my health if there's bondage on my finances 
if there's bondage on my children, if there's bondage on my marriage, if there's bondage up in any area, loose it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, there's things you don't even know that need to be loosed. There's things you don't even know that need to be loosed. But let me tell you what the Holy Spirit does. He does. And when you begin to pray in the Spirit, I'm telling you, you are releasing in the spirit realm a warfare. And things are being loose that need to be loose, and things are being bound that need to be bound. That's why Paul says, I wish you all prayed in the spirit. I pray in the spirit more than all of you, he said. But the apostle Paul said, I wish you all would pray in the spirit. And I wish you would all sing in the spirit. Why sing in the spirit? Because praise and worship is one of the rockets that gets the Holy Spirit fighting in that arena for you. So when you sing in the spirit, you've got a double whammy going on. Oh, pray, pray, testify, preach, sing, worship, praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord. We praise You, God. Oh, we praise You, Lord God. Oh, God, I pray that your people's eyes would be open. They would see this. See it to where they'll breathe it. They'll eat it. They'll, they'll ruminate over it. They'll meditate on it. They'll, they'll walk in it. They'll talk in it. Come on, let's take some warfare. Let's exercise some warfare tactics right now. Just at liberty, whatever ones you want to, just exercise your, your, your battleground strategies right now. Exercise it right now. The good thing about it in your exercise, you're actually doing it. When you decree, I will not die. I will live. I will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. You're taking the Word and you're putting it in that second heaven and you're destroying the plan of the enemy to kill you. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 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 War on. Yes, war on. War on. War on. Oh, 
Come on, come on, come on. Come on, one more way. Come on, one more way. I know you got, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. 20 of us can put 10 septillion to flight. Think about what 100 of us can do. 200 of us. Maybe all those tuning in, a thousand of us. Think of what a thousand of us can do right now. Come on, one more wave, one more wave. A military exercise right now. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship, we worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Now, God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would seal, Holy Spirit, seal this truth in the hearts of your people that the enemy cannot steal it. That from this night forward, that this truth will ever be real, it will ever be ready, and it will be used in their lives for the advancement of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In and through them, I pray. Bless each and every one as they go in this night, as we go in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.